heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Um, and so, like, it's it's the, uh, like, that's what entrepreneurship is. It's, it's not talking about, like, how do I, you know, everyone can contribute and make their difference, but entrepreneurship is about making the, the big differences, right? How do you, how do you change, solve the big problems and, um, and really move the needle? Um, and I think that like, th that's why, that's why I built this show, right? It's because I want to feature those people who are looking like, how do I move the needle in a big way? Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I grew up with it very similarly, um, going to church all the time. And I remember uh, they would pass the offering plate and I would have my $5 or my $10 or my part of, portion of my allowance. And I would just throw the cash in. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad saying, no, you have to put in the envelope and put your name on it. And I was like, it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, why? If I want to donate, then I will donate. And if I don't feel like donating, if I feel like putting that toward like building a business or like one of my street productions that brought a lot of people, a lot of joy, on uh, on the mm -hmm. street I grew up on, like then that that's fine too. But for for me growing up, it was more from the perspective like people need to know that you're being a good Christian or or donating. And I was like that yeah. that sounds like sense. the biggest. I'm like no, like God, that's that my my do donations are between me and God. Like we're good. <laughs> like so, <laughs> and and that's and I do believe that when you really step into your 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 purpose. And like those things that your superpowers and you're doing those things that really only you can do in the way that only you can do them. And in the way that every single experience that you have had in your life has built you and created you to, to be in that position to serve in that way, then that alone is doing God's work. That that alone is, is doing what you were put on this planet to do. And by not doing it, you're, you're doing a massive disservice to society because that is your mission to be doing that. As so, you can passionate about it. <laughs> so, so, so quick, quick, uh, you know, religious detour here. Um, yes. I, I, uh, I went to Bible college. I'm a trained preacher. That's one of the, cool. the, the degrees that I have. Um, one of the things that, um, that really, really struck me learning, because I, I actually learned, I went to college so I could learn to read Greek and Hebrew, like Ooh, the original fun. text, which was fun. Yeah. Um, so I've gotten to go through most of the um, scripture that way. Um, and one of the things that has, has always bothered me about um, Christianity today is this idea that we are searching for some sort of, or listening for, or waiting for some sort of, you know, whatever God's calling in our life is. It's like, and like, we're, we're waiting for God to come down and paint a picture for us and be like, here, this is the thing I want you to do. And people are like, oh, I've got a calling for God for this. And I'm like, I'm like, I think you don't, you don't need to wait for some mystical moment where you've finally, you know, the angels have sung and, you know, the picture has been drawn in your head and now you know what God's calling is. I think the reality is, is when you find the things that make you come alive, yeah. that's what that is, right? That's, that's saying here, you, I, like, I, I've given you the things, like the skills that you have and the stuff that really makes you who you are, right? Like you were saying, the things that you can do better than no one else, that you can bring your, your, your skill sets to and show the world your value, that's your calling, right? Go out and do that do yeah. more of that. Yeah. I love that. Cause I, I mean, I had a very similar, I think, I think the calling is, is spoken to in the realm of, it can be translated into following your curiosity. So you followed your curiosity into Greek and Hebrew. For me, I followed my curiosity into screenwriting 
And I thought that that would allow me to have the impact and influence that I, that I just, that I wanted to have. And when I wrote my first movie and it got distributed and it, we had the premiere and all that. And, um, I was surprisingly like I was 95% fulfilled, but I wasn't a hundred percent. And mm -hmm. I was, I was wondering like, oh, okay. Like I thought that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I thought that this is like my calling to be a screenwriter. Cause for like a decade, I'd, all I'd said is I want to be working in Hollywood. I want to be actor or screenwriter. And that's all I wanted. And I got that. And then I was actually like a little underwhelmed and what happened though was two weeks after my film premiered when you write a movie you get extra tickets and i had some extra tickets that i had invited like a friend of a friend of a friend to come and her son came and i got a text from my friend who invited her friend and who brought her son and she said i want to let you know your film changed this kid's life like he was following the same story that the main character was following he, the, the whole story is about a young kid who tries to fit in with the cool crowd he starts dealing and doing drugs and he gets caught up in some bad stuff and he said she he was following that story and because he saw your film and because he listened to the fact that one of the actors from the film like his testimony in essence mirrored the story and he was like yeah after the film i got arrested i went to the same prison i went to the same place he said it changed his life. He stopped hanging out with that crowd. It, it totally transformed him. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to do transformation and I want to transform and challenge people's stories for what they think that they need to be doing to be accepted, loved, liked, and gain significance when really they need to be doing more of what, what really makes you come alive. And it like yeah. exactly like what you said. And it was through, I wouldn't have found that if I hadn't followed my curiosity or had the courage to speak up when the opportunity was presented to me. So when I had the opportunity to jump on board this film, like I wasn't originally meant to write it, but I recognized that the director didn't have a script. And I was like, well, what, why don't I give it a shot? And if I, like, I just had the audacity to just ask for it. And I think that that's also a piece of it. You have to follow your curiosity, but then you also got to have the courage to go for it. And when your curiosity says, okay, I want to go in this direction. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this. You follow it. And then you have the courage to step up and step to the plate and swing away. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I refer to that a lot as uh, um, being a parachute builder. Right. Um, yeah. And the, the idea is that, uh, um, Sometimes your opportunity is standing on the precipice and you have to jump off and realize, you know, jump off and you have to build the parachute on the way down. Yep. Right? Um, <laughs> and, and so being a, being a parachute builder is, is like, just realize that like you, you have the skills you need already. Right. And yeah. the, the, the thing that holds a lot of people back from taking action is that they're waiting until they're ready. Right. Mm -hmm. They're waiting, they're waiting until they've got their parachute built. They're waiting until the safety nets are there. They're waiting for everything to be all the planets to align. And they just need to jump, right? You just need to jump. You need to take action. You do the thing um, because the process of getting ready, um, well, like the process of doing a thing is what makes you ready. Yes. Right? Um, it's one of the, uh, the best pieces of advice my dad ever gave me. I was uh, 19 at the time, I think. And I was asking him, I was like, I, I, I think I'm going to ask this girl to marry me. Um, and, and I was like, but I don't think I'm ready for that. And he looked at me and was like, that's a dumb question. Like, that's a dumb thing to say to yourself. And I was like, why? And he was like, because if you wait until you're ready, you'll never do anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and he was like, the, it's action that makes you ready. Um, and, and so that's always been sort of something that I've, I've lived through my life is like realizing that like, hey, when you get to the precipice, you can stand there and like, if you've ever done cliff diving, I took my son cliff diving this last year. Um, and, and it was super cool um, because like, I know like the process for me, like when the first time I went cliff diving, you stand up there and you think about it and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm standing like four, 40 feet above the water. I'm going to jump off. And like, there's all these things that go wrong. And like, I could literally die if I do this wrong. Um, and, but you know, you're watching all these people out that jump up there and you psych yourself out and then you don't take action. Right. And like, you see people who are going, who will climb up to the top, look up and then climb back down. And metaphorically in life, you see people do that all the time. They step up to the plate and they don't swing. Um, and so when I took my son cliff diving and I, we sat down at the, the back end of the cliff, like where he couldn't see the edge. And I was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk up to the edge and, um, and we're going to just 
uh, you know, we're going to stand up and we're going to jump off. We're not going to think about it. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to stand up and act. And I was like, because if you stand up there and look at it and think about it, you're never going to do anything. You're, it'll freak you out, right? The action will freak you out. And he's young, right? He's 10. So he yeah. just took my word and just did it. So like we're 40 feet up and jumping into a big pool on that thing. And, and, you know, we stand up, he takes two steps forward to the edge of the cliff and then he just jumps off. Right, right into the thing. And like, I knew he was scared for, scared to do the whole yeah. thing, but he did it and he gets down to the bottom. He was like, it was the coolest thing I've ever done in the whole world, dad. Um, and like, so we did it like six or seven more times over the course of the day. And then we went back the next day and did it a few more times. Um, but like, it was really cool to see him make that connection that the fear is overcome by action. Yes. Right? And I had the same lesson when I w went bungee jumping the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah by like literally the guy at the festival who was just like leaning back in the back of the cage and I like walk up to the edge and then I walk back and I'm like I I don't know what I was thinking I think this was dumb move like and he goes <laughs> you're good he goes I'm gonna count to three and you're on each number that I count you're gonna step forward and then on three I just want you to let go and it was the biggest lesson in surrender because when you're seeing mm. the ground coming at your face, uh, you're just, I was like, all right, Lord, if it's my come. time, <laughs> I'm ready to come home. I'm good. I'm good. Things flash before my eyes. I was like, well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but then the, hit, the, the bungee snapped and it, I was, I was liberated liberated and that's what action does is it liberates you i mean i can only imagine how your 10 year old son felt just having that freedom from the fear yeah and it was it was such a cool object lesson for him because it's something that we can go back to right because yeah. he like you feel those emotions they're very very visceral to stand yeah. up and drop off of a cliff that's 40 feet in the air um and to go back to that and realize like like every time he comes into something something now it's like we can go back to that and be like remember you stand up and you jump right you take the action because the action is what makes you ready right it's what you know so this 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 i don't know ready is this an ethereal thing that people think they have to uh, to achieve before they do a thing and realize yeah, no one's ever ready no one's ever ready right you're not ready to be a parent you're not ready to get married you're not ready to start a business like it's nobody's ready that's not a thing um yeah. And the, the reality is you just have to do it, right? You just have to take the actions and move forward. <laughs> yeah, and, and play with it. I mean, I think that that's also it, of allowing for, for the play and for the fun of discovery rather than it having to be this like, I yeah. have to be ready and thus I'm going to like launch and things are gonna be perfect and work out exactly as that they should. No, they won't, like, and it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I, you're gonna, like, one of one of our uh, our concepts that we talk about on the show all the time is yeah. uh, giving yourself permission to play. Yes. Right? And people people um, and it's something that I struggled with for a long time. Um, so that's why it's a it's a recurring theme on the show. It says you know I want other people to not struggle with it. Um, is this idea that play is something that you earn from hard work, right? And yeah. most people think that because that's what society tells you, right? You earn a vacation, you earn your retirement, you earn play, and you don't realize that like play is what energizes really good activity, right? It, it makes you, it makes you a better actor in your space, whatever you're doing. So you have to give yourself that permission to, like you said, go for a run, right? Jump off the cliff when you're doing your work to actually enjoy it, right? To, to explore it and have, have fun with your creativity and things like that and realize that it's the play is, is an essential part of success no matter what you're doing. 150%. I mean, you look at when a toddler is learning the most, like we learn the most as humans for the most part when we're going from like birth to five. Yeah. Why? Because we're learning predominantly through play for one. And so we're always exploring and discovering and following our curiosity. And two, because we're modeling people who make it seem normal. And I think that that's another thing, especially as a principle for success, and especially with business, is modeling people that make having money seem normal or make having travel seem normal or make having, having this feel normal. Because when you're a toddler, you're not questioning if it's normal to poop on the toilet. Like mm -hmm. you see adults just go to the bathroom. And then, I mean, my toddler is just like, what's going on? 
Like, why are you like, doing? Flush the toilet. Like, <laughs> like he's just very curious about it. What else can but, I put in the toilet and flush down? Yes, there? I think he put a rock down today. So we're, we'll see how that there works out. Um, <laughs> our, our shower was flooded, and I was like, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's allowing it to be normal because they see us walking on two feet and that's mm. normal. Like it's yeah. absolutely normal. It's common. They see it. They're not questioning if it's possible because everybody else around them is doing it. And that's yeah. why masterminds are so essential and surrounding yourself with people who are doing and being and living the way that you desire and aspire to do, be, and live is that that automatically it makes it seem normal so it makes it like obviously of course you're going to have your you know 100 million dollar business so obviously of course you're going to have hit your first 10k month obviously you're going to be making income while you sleep because that's normal because those yeah. are the people that you're surrounding yourself with yeah my uh my youngest one um it just started walking the last 10 days or so yeah. And it's such a cool thing to watch a baby learn to walk because they fall down constantly, just all the time. And one of the things that they never do when they fall down is cry about it. Or beat like, themselves up. Beat yeah. themselves up. My daughter will fall flat on her face and she stands up smiling, right? Because she is excited to learn to walk. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and she's got like in the last, in the last 10 days, she went from like crawling, like, you know, bad out of hell kind of thing to like. I, I need to be able to walk to chase my older siblings. And I think secondarily, she wants to be able to carry things. Like yeah. you can't carry things when you're crawling, but you know, if she can walk, she can carry things. And it just, she is super excited about that. Um, but she really, she picked up how to walk and every, like everything that she's doing, she's got a huge grin on her face. Just like, you can tell she is really, really enjoying the process of learning to walk. Yeah. Right? Um, and I was like, I, I want to capture that mentality for people, right? Yeah. Where, where every two seconds you're falling on your butt, right? And, and, or falling on your face and you just stand up and you smile and you try it again, right? Because it's such a, um, I don't know. I, I wish you could, you could give that to people. One of the, the people that I see who has that, I haven't met him personally, but Richard Branson and everything that I've read in every interview that mm -hmm. I've kind of seen is just this like devotion to play of like let's give it a go let's see if this works like let's see how it works let's give it a go why not like it's just yeah. it's so exciting to just give it a go like just yeah That's, go for that it is, that is the uh the theme of my life is is let's just let's see what happens let's have four kids let's move on to the road let's run a business from the road let's you know, hit $10,000 a month in revenue, right? Like all those things, like they're just, they're, they're play, right? And you realize that like the, the, the life that we're, we get to live, live, like you get to write your own rules, right? You get to play your own game, right? You get to, you get to play, like you don't have to play the game by the set of rules that other people tell you you have to play by, right? Um, and so when you sort of look at your life, right? You look at, and so like for us, like, my my wife and I, we looked at parenting like a game and we look at business growth like a game and we look at travel like a game. And so it's always like, you know, how can we make this more fun and more exciting and like cool things? And like in every area of our life, we've been able to grow and have like, we have a tremendous amount of joy in all the things that we do. Um, and what's interesting is like other people will see us and see the things that we do. And to your point of hanging around cool people, Right. So like I have the masterminds I'm in where I've got people that are significantly better and stronger and faster at me than every in every area. Um, but you realize that like once you start doing that in other circles, you're that right. You are that person. Right. Yeah. The people who are like, like, man, I wish my kids could be like yours. Right? I wish I wish we could travel like you do. I can't believe all the adventures you have. Like I had a had a friend of ours who told me, uh, you know, when we first met, she was like, you know, we had our first kid and she was like, we're never gonna have kids. Like, because kids keep you from having adventures and they keep you from letting you do live the life that you want to live and stuff like that. There's and then she's watched me grow. Yeah. She's watched me grow over the last 10 years and, um, and looks back and was like, she's like, she wants to have kids now, her and her, her significant other. And she was like, you're a major reason for that because I realized <laughs> that your kids have never held you back from anything, right? You have more fun and more adventures and live more life than 
anyone I know. You got four kids that you tote around with you everywhere. <laughs> right, and I so, think that's, that's, oh, it's the best. Like they learn so much. And, and one of my coaches early on said, your children can either be your greatest asset or your greatest excuse. Mm-hmm. And for me, mine has always been my asset. Like when yeah, I found out I was pregnant, can, it was just You can choose like, your own rules, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was no other option to not have, to not grow my business and be a mother because I knew that the woman that I would become by growing my business would be the mother that I wanted for my child. The -hmm. woman that I was when I found out I was pregnant was not the mother that I wanted. She was so fearful, so doubtful of herself. She didn't really believe in herself, even though she was like trying to empower others to believe in herself. No, she was a scaredy chicken. (laughs) And, And I had to allow her to grow and go through all the growing pains that that she went through and then evolve so that I could be the mom that I wanted for my son and I'm very proud to of the person that I've I've created that's awesome so um my, hopefully my audience will forgive me. We've had some really interesting conversations here. I'm going to skip a couple of my normal questions and go down to something else I think that's really interesting. Oh, cool. um, yes. And I want to talk to you a little bit about your own personal heroes, right? So just like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, who were some of your heroes growing up? Were they real life mentors? Were they speakers or authors, peers who were maybe just a few years ahead of you? And how important have they been on your journey to becoming the woman you are today? So my heroes, I have a few. Um, My heroes, one of them is definitely my mom. Uh, One of them is also my dad. And even though we grew up and there were some difficult things that I went through growing up with an addict, my dad taught me the three most important rules um, that I've learned uh, that started my business. because even though he was an addict, he and my mom both successfully grew a multi-million dollar business, mm-hmm. um, much to the surprise of many people, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> but he taught me, he said, when I first started my Pilates business, he's like, Kim, find a way to replace yourself. He said, I waited yeah. 10 years too long to replace myself. Um, and he broke a lot of bones because of it, because of his job. But he... Um, and so that was the thing is that's what I looked at is okay, what processes can I replace? What, how can I replace myself so that the things that I'm not good at, I'm not focusing on. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing he said, he said, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. That was a big lesson for me um, of looking at the people that I hire, of looking at the people that I team up with and that I partner with. When I see someone who is really on it with being, busy in the way that they are productive and efficient, not like busy is just like spinning their wheels because they want, are using busyness as as an excuse for purpose, Mm -hmm. um, which a lot of people do. That was, that was an awareness that I have that's really served me. And the other one, (laughs) the last one was probably my favorite. He said, Kim, he said, I learned the hard way that it takes the same amount of time, money, and effort to go after a $1,000 client as it does a $10,000 client. So you might as well just go for the 10. <laughs> so yeah. that, that was a lesson for me that I was like, oh, okay. And those three lessons were some of my big influences growing a business. My mom has also been, she's been the forever cheerleader for me. Um, just sewing, you know, 20 Pocahontas costumes or whatever I needed. She was always there. She showed up to every school play for the most part. Like, like she's just having a cheerleader in your corner. And the thing is that both my parents have always believed in me. And that's one of the things that I think is a true um, influence is when you have people and you surround yourself with people who are like, absolutely. I have no question that you're going to be successful. I have no question that you're going to, you're going to achieve great things in this life because that's just who you are. Um, and then they, they don't see you as weak or mediocre or average or normal or like, oh, you should do things this way. They're like, no, we support you in being extraordinary and now could go off and conquer being extraordinary. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's something that's awesome. And then I would say also like for, for people growing up as well, it wasn't so much people, it was more fictional characters. So movies had a massive influence on me and the one character, the, there were two characters who really influenced me. One was Belle, 
when I was five years old, seeing her. She's my favorite princess, Disney princess to this day. Uh, yeah. She was yeah. intelligent. She's my wife's favorite too. Yeah, intelligent, well-read. Um, and she transforms people. That's what she does. Yeah. She transforms a beast into a beautiful human. And that's, I was like, holy crap, that's, that's what I do. Like I transform people's <laughs> crappy beastly beliefs into like beautiful, amazing beliefs so that they're operating and firing on all cylinders. Like that's okay, cool. That's how, My that's only problem moment. is the princess's nose is too big. <laughs> I thought the princess was very <laughs> handsome. I thought it was very lovely. Um, I loved his long locks. And then not surprisingly, of course, when I met my husband, uh, he had long hair. <laughs> so nice. I was like, okay. And I, I like to say I tamed, I tamed the beast. Tamed the beast. I was his beauty. Yep. Yeah. Um, but then, and then the other big one growing up was uh, Elle Woods, okay. actually, of seeing a smart, pretty, confident girl do be both. Because when I grew up, it was very much an either or. Like I would see the popular girls at my Christian prep school who pretended to be dumb and who pretended to like not know the answer when they did. And I would see, and I was like, well, why can't you both be pretty and smart and wear high heels? And like, I was a big supporter of and, not yeah. like either or menta scarcity mentality. and. Elle Woods was one of the ones that I just said, I was like, that's who I am going to model. And so in high school, my nickname was actually Elle for my freshman year. Cause I always like, even though I was in uniform, I always wore my, my heels. I had my little scarf on my, on my shoulder bag. I didn't have a backpack. I had a purse. I had my color coded binder. I had my color code. And I was like, I had my system and I rocked it. And that's that awesome. was, that was how, one of the many ways that I, I chose to change my identity into somebody that I wanted to emulate more of. Someone who was outgoing, so, someone who was friendly, who really cared about other people, and who wanted to transform and make the world a better place. So I think there's two really important things in yeah. both of those sections that I wanted to sort of pull out for our, our listeners. One of them, the first one, comes from your parents, right? Um, and the rules that your parents gave you, that your dad gave you, I think they're excellent. The, the third one, totally love that. My, uh, some of my, my entrepreneurs, entrepreneur heroes sort of gave that to me. It was in the real estate space. And they were like, yep. you could buy a home for $100,000 or you could buy one for a million dollars. And like the, the process to do a $100,000 deal and a million dollar deal is exactly the same. Like nothing changes. It's just, the, you know, you have more zeros. Yeah. Right? So, so why yeah. not go for the bigger deal? But the, the, the point there is, is more, um, one of the things that's really struck me is this idea of, you know, cause it, it's, something we talk about all the time in our culture currently is privilege. Mm -hmm. And um, we talk a lot about privilege and um, people for whatever reason think privilege is a bad thing. Um, and like, we want to fight to be the least privileged, I guess. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and one of the things that I've realized is that like my dad fought tooth and nail to build a life where he was lifting me up and putting me on a level that I would never have had the opportunity to start from, right? He yeah. gave me a lot of privileges, right? Like my, my dad, when he was growing up, his dad died when he was eight and his mom raised four kids in the sixties by herself. Wow. Right? And my dad had to go to work at 12 to help support the family. He helped put one of his brothers to college, like worked really, really hard to get to the point like, I never noticed any of those things, right? I never knew any of that stuff um, until I was older and you can't really appreciate any of those things and realize that like the sacrifices and the work that my dad put into giving me a better starting place than he had, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's a privilege. And it's a privilege that I would be remiss to squander, right? Oh, 100%, um, I totally and, agree. Yeah. And you realize that like, you know, it, that's, that's what we, that's what we fight for as parents is how can I give my, my child as much privilege as possible, right? So they can start further down the path than we are like standing on the shoulders of giants, right? That's the whole, the whole point. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's why I actually talk about the, uh, the hero question, right? Who are your heroes? Because you realize it's like, there's the, it's the people that came before that really lift you up and put you in a better starting position. So you can go on and do the things that you're going to do. I'm going to do them really well. So yeah. That's the first thing. The second thing is something that I think is, um, I wish more people would see 
fiction this way. Mm -hmm. um, but for whatever reason, in the entrepreneurial space, we tend to separate fiction and nonfiction. And like an entrepreneur, you should spend your time in nonfiction and self-growth and self-development and things like that. Nothing wrong with that, right? Those are all good things. You should do that. But for whatever reason, we like to, to disparage the idea of spending time in fictional worlds and following fictional characters and learning from fictional characters. And one of the things that really struck me, if you get a chance, pick up the book um uh, it's called the Antony elephant by vince pensconti it's like a hundred pages it's a little thing you could read it in you know you know sitting on the toilet in an afternoon right um and so a little if you're tiny a man book. i've noticed dudes take a lot more time on the toilet than, than us ladies do that's true that's true um it's because we're just trying to escape the, the children yeah i just question i'm like honey what are you doing in there like it's i'm in and out i'm like we got efficiency he's hiding he's hiding <laughs> um but the uh, one of the things he talks about in there is the um, is that your brain actually doesn't have the ability to distinguish the difference between fiction and reality. Yep. Right. So you don't you don't possess that skill in your head. Um, so when you dive into a fictional character into a book and you follow their stories, you can learn from their experiences and learn from their characters and learn from the things that they've done. Um, and you know, for, for me growing up, one of my, the book series that I was just absolutely in love with, and I've read it to my children, it's called the Animorphs. There were 64 books that came out. It was, and all sorts of things that happened in those, in those stories over the course of five years that they were released. Um, and reading them again as adult, I realized how much of my character that I have developed came from fictional characters that I really aligned myself with as a child. Right. Um, and realizing that like my um, that you you can learn decision making abilities and you can learn like you, because you're presented with situations and taken through thought processes that you would never get the opportunity to be in front of if it wasn't for fictional worlds. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I just wanted to point that out because it's, it's such a cool thing. And I don't think we give it enough credence. Right. And it goes totally all the way agree. back down to. Yeah. Talking yeah. about playing. Right, that's, you know, giving yourself permission I, to play. Yeah, that's why <laughs> my next book is actually going to be a fiction book. Like I started writing it before I got pregnant, and it's, it's just it, it was the it was exactly what the movie that I wrote did for this other boy. It transformed a life, and so I'm hoping to to with this next book, that's my fiction, my first fiction book that will be it will be to transform those women who feel very stuck in their marriages or in their relationships after they have children because many women can or do and that's that's my goal but it's to transform through fiction and through story because like you said your unconscious mind does not know the difference between what's real and what's vividly imagined that's why i don't watch horror movies anymore like i used to already like dislike horror movies and they weren't my jam um but now know it like i'm super protective of my subconscious mind and what i'm absorbing that mm -hmm. I want to, I want to watch. I love the Marvel movies. Give me a hero movie every day of the every week. Every day, right? Every day. Like I love them. I love the, the Greatest Showman is my favorite movie. Bar none. Oh, um, my top it, five. Yeah, that is my favorite movie. It is extraordinary. Wonder Woman, my second favorite movie. And all of those, they, they're of empowering characters that are creating. And by, mm. like, I used to watch movies on repeat, especially princess ones. Um, but I would watch, and I wouldn't, I never was a fan of like the weak princesses, like Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty that just needed to be kissed and woken up. I was actually a big fan though of the recent remake of Cinderella with um, Kate Blanchett. I thought that one did an extraordinary job of highlighting um, the identity transformation that you can have. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and that's a story that I love because I love identity transformation. When it's just a guy looking for a shoe and like wants to kiss a girl, then not so much. But it's kind of boring. Yeah, kind of boring. But the but the trans the ones where people really come out and transform, the ones where people really step in and you feel that story and you experience that movie and it's it's a, your mind is absorbing it as if it were your own. And so yeah. when I work sometimes with clients and we're doing some deep subconscious work, like I say, like there are like, if, if you don't believe in like, uh, what's it called? Not regeneration, but like 
lived yeah, multiple yeah. lives. I say past lives is in like past lives is like you watched a movie and it was really impactful. And so your subconscious mind took it as it being your own story. Like, mm. and so that when we do some deep subconscious work, the releasing of like, oh, there's a story. I'm like, that could have been a movie that you watched. That could have been an actual experience that could, like, I don't know. I'm not, it's not my place to judge their experience. But like when we're doing some of that work, we can get into some things that they may like horrors. And I'm like, that didn't happen in this lifetime. They're like, I don't know what that happened. It, was, it could have been a movie that they experienced. It was yeah, really traumatic. A movie like or a that, book yeah. that, that had a strong emotional impact. Your unconscious mind is the domain of the uh, emotions. Yeah. And, and, and so, being, being aware of that's important, right? Because I've put down books and walked out of movies for things that I'm like, I, I just don't, I don't, I need, don't need that junk in my mind. Yeah. 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 So I'm with you. Superhero movies all the way, right? All the way. Give <laughs> me a Marvel night. movie like Iron Man. I'm like, and I'm like the the Greatest Showman. Like, I if if you're listening to this and you haven't watched The Greatest Showman yet, like just put down what you're doing and watch that movie tonight. Buy it yes. on whatever highest definition thing you can. Put it on the biggest screen you got. Turn your sound system up all the way. It'll change your life, right? It's it's one it of is. those those um, probably one of the more important movies that's come out in the last two decades. Um, and and it's yeah 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 because because it it actually it shows so much right it shows an entrepreneur and it shows the the work that goes into becoming an entrepreneur and the dreaming and the scheming that sort of goes into becoming the kind of person who changes the world and shows yeah and the magic and it shows him struggle and still make good choices right and it shows like it shows so much and like every character in the thing and like the 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 i don't know it's just it's one of those things that like we we've listened to the soundtrack on repeat my kids have the whole yep. thing memorized i was literally just uh, listening to it right before this interview oh yeah like, it's one of like it's part the, of my the like sound, prep <laughs> the soundtrack is one of those things like you could if like if you're ever you know if you're going to go on like you know you know what is it gray's anatomy and do like a heart surgery that's never been done before and you're going to do the superhero pose so you might as well have the greatest showman track playing in the background right because <laughs> it'll turn yep. you into superhero yep. um so anyways that's my uh my my you know like we watched that movie and i was like it immediately rocketed into like top five best movies i've ever watched in my whole life um, yeah we watched it and it, it like suddenly within a weekend we'd watch it five times and <laughs> my husband's like my husband's not a musical guy and and he was like i walked in i, I had to uh, a client that was back when i did like in-person sessions and I, I walked in from one of my clients and I, I hear it on and I'm like, and he's just sitting there on his computer and he's like, he's like I can't turn it off. It's like an addiction. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, it's yeah. that, it's so good. We ended up watching, like he watched it four times or he watched it five times. I watched it four times and actually like straight away, like, like you want to watch that again? Yeah, and yeah. I feel like we'd like, like it's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely awesome. It's definitely addictive. And the soundtrack is addictive. And like, we play it all the time. And I'm like, and I, it'll never get old. Like it just, it can't get old. Um, so I always, I tell people like your, your, your uh, canon, right? The, the, the canon by which you measure movies is yep. how many times can you watch it on repeat without it getting old? Oh right? yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So like for me, it's a Knight's Tale and the Matrix um and the uh, greatest showman like i could watch those movies over and over and over and over again and they would never bother me um but yeah like th it's those kind of stories right when you find the heroes and those characters and you see the struggle and you see the life that they're living and see the things that they're going through and the decisions they have to make um and you know to be faced with things like their whole business burning to the ground and getting back up and rebuilding from the ashes that kind of stuff it's like when you're facing your situations and you realize that like i've you know i've got my heroes here that i've got in my head right you know what they did in those situations yeah they stood up and they made it happen right um and i think that's one of the things that uh um that really strikes me about fiction mm -hmm. is that it can it can do that for you right where you see like in the greatest showman he stands up and they rebuild right and i think one of the reasons it's so powerful is because like you know who P.T. Barnum is. Everyone does. Yeah. Right. Um, and to realize that like they like that was a, a catalyst for their business is it, they burned their building down. They moved into the tents and then they started they, they moved the, the location where they had the circus. The reason why the circus moves is because they had that problem with people wanting to burn them down and not liking them. Right. Yeah. So they moved. It became part of their business model. Right? And it's so powerful. 
Um, new challenges. I watched the whole like circus documentary on PBS after watching The Greatest Showman because I get nerdy like that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally the the story of The Greatest Showman was very very much part of it was dramatized and romanticized, mm -hmm. but it's an, it's nonetheless a fantastic movie. I mean, P.T. Barnum did some things that were a little bit more questionable of, mm -hmm. of choices in his, in his business. But at the time back then, it was kind of normal to exploit certain types of people. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's like he provided them with jobs and opportunities. And so, I mean, it's, you can make your own judgments, but it was, it was, it was interesting watching the documentary and seeing this like love affair that people had for the circus. Like they were interviewing some amazing people who had been a part of the circus and who were in tears at the fact that that's no longer a lifestyle. Like that's a long past thing that people aren't going to run out and go see the circus rarely. Yeah. Not, um, not so much anymore. Yeah. So my last question for you is the guiding principles, right? Yeah. So sort of bring it back and bring it home for our listeners. What are the top one or two principles or actions that you use regularly sort of every day that you think contribute to the success and influence that you enjoy today? Maybe something that you wish you had known when you first started out on this whole entrepreneurial journey. One is that you can own your emotions. That was the biggest lesson when I was 17 years old and it was the first personal development book that I was referred to by my acting teacher who nice. said that this is the most important book you will ever read. And I was like, okay, you know, I was a straight A student. So I wanted to be, um, I wanted to do things right and perfectly. And so I went out and got all the books on the reading list. And most of them were like, had to do with like Sandy Meisner and, um, uh, the is they had Ibsen plays and and all these different types of plays and about the the I'm forgetting the name of the theater um but there was a, a big theater in New York with, and all it was most of them were about that but there was this one book and it was circled in a big page that said Stephen Covey's the seven habit habits of highly effective people mm -hmm. I was like what is this book and I picked it up this and isn't started, about acting this isn't about acting. Like, this has nothing to do with Hollywood. Like, what the heck? But I started reading it and I was like, okay, my acting teacher says it's the most important book, so I'm going to read it. And so I started reading it and I like popped it open to this one point and it said, like, you can basically, you can choose your state. You can choose your emotions. And I was like, oh, what the heck? You can <laughs> choose your emotions? And it's like what Viktor Frankl says in Man's Search for Meaning, between stimulus and response, there is a choice. There is choice, yeah. And that was something I was never taught as a child. Like I grew up thinking I was a product of my emotions. I watched how my mom did not allow for emotions. They were like, they're not logical. She's very logical. Yeah. She likes things. She's, if she didn't want to deal with emotions. My dad didn't want to deal with them and he dealt with them in a different way by suppressing them and numbing them. Mm -hmm. um, but like for, for the first time having permission that you can feel your feelings because you're human was extraordinary. And it's provided me with a really fantastic process for letting go of negative emotions, for allowing me to just, okay, I, I sense that I'm experiencing this. I can choose my reaction. Now I can choose to release this feeling because scientifically studied, a feeling lasts for about 90 seconds. But what happens is when you feel like, a, when you have beliefs attached to a feeling like, oh, I shouldn't be sad or boys don't cry or I shouldn't be mad or I should like, then suddenly you attach guilt and shame on top of the, the feeling. And so you're stacking that onto the feeling and thus it gets stuck as a trapped emotion. And yeah. then it stays with you for longer. Whereas if you can just allow for the feeling to release and let it go, it changes the game. And that's something that was super powerful for me. And that's a practice that I still put into in, to practice for this day. Um, and the, the second biggest thing, it, it ties in with the first where it's just ownership, period. Like own how you show up in a room. It is a choice how you show up in a room. It is a choice to bring your presence. And if you don't like where you currently are at, own the fact without guilt, without judgment, without shame, own the fact that you are where you are and that you also have the possibility of changing it. You can change your circumstances when you start telling yourself a new story. So I catch myself when I'm 
not owning or when I'm owning a disempowering story and I catch myself in like, oh, I'm, I'm telling myself this story. I need to own where I am, take responsibility for the fact that I have told myself this story repeatedly. Um, because like Hitler said, you tell you, you say something long enough, loud enough, people will believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's you, there's so much power in that. And, and, so and when we stop telling ourselves those crappy stories that are no longer serving us, take ownership, take an assessment of where we're at and then move forward following curiosity and play changes the game. Have you ever watched uh, the TV show uh, Once Upon a Time? I have not. No, but so I'm sure I would love one it. Of, one of the characters in there is a kid. His name's Henry. And his superpower that he gets imbued with at some point, his you know fairy tale superpower is he's the author, right? Yeah. He's the one who writes the fairy tales. Um, and you know he's got the blank pages and things that he write become, become reality. Um, and uh, it's, it's a cool, a cool little like, you know, mental exercise for, for this sort of discussion is that, let, that you're the author of your life. And right to your point, like one of the things that I've always sort of grown up believing, um, you know, since college sort of on is that we're a story born people, right? And we, um, we judge and build our relationships on stories, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I tell my kids all the time is like the, the difference between an acquaintance is someone whose name you know, but whose story you don't, right? A stranger is someone who you don't know their name or their story. You know, a friend is someone who you know their name and you know a lot of their story. A, um, a best friend, right, is someone who you know all of their stories, right? Yeah. And the only way to continue to grow your relationship is to go out and have more experiences together and write more stories, Right. So like, that's the way we judge relationships and the way we build relationships is with this through story. And you don't realize that like your life, you're the author of your own story. And the story you tell yourself is the story that you grow into. Right. Yeah. It's, it's what you, it's what you become. Yeah. And you get to own that, right. You get to own your story. Um, and a really amazing thing happens to you when you stand up and you own your story and you own who you are and you, you start writing your own story, you become the kind of person that other people wish they can be. You become the kind of person that other people want to be around. You become the kind of person that changes the world because that is the most powerful thing you can do is to own your story. Yeah, I completely agree. Because, and then that gives you the power to, to change other people's stories because your life can either be a story that's an example like a really awesome Harry Potter, <laughs> or it can be a warning, like Voldemort. Don't do that. <laughs> like it is in every day you are influencing somebody. You may not know it, but especially if you're a parent, you're influencing your children. You may be influencing your spouse too. And every day people are watching your story and interacting with your story and they see, is this something that I want to pursue or is it something that I want to stay away from? <laughs> awesome. So many good things we've gotten to talk about on this podcast. Probably one of the more enjoyable interviews I've gotten to do. So thank you so much for coming on. I got a couple oh. of things I want to do with you before we finish up. Cool. One of them is called the Heroes Challenge. Hero Challenge is really simple. I do this on every show. Hopefully it doesn't catch you too off guard. Um, it's basically this. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with our audience? Who has a cool entrepreneurial story? I work with some extraordinary badasses. So yeah, cool that's, entrepreneurial that's one of my story. favorite things about asking this question. I love this. Um, yeah. So one of my clients, he, one of his businesses literally changed a country and oh, that's cool. yeah, literally changed the country of Moldova. Um, and he's had, he's just a serial entrepreneur. And I think he, I met him through podcasting. Um, he had me on his podcast called the great escape podcast. And we were talking a lot about, about blame about really assessing the story of blame and how you, what's the difference between taking responsibility for your life and blame. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he's in such a fantastic space of growth right now with his own story transforming. That's why I would think that Stuart Morris would be an extraordinary guest for your show. I also have like a thousand other referrals. So he was the first one that pops <laughs> in my mind. Awesome. So we'll, we'll connect afterwards and see if we can, uh, we can connect with him and get him on the show. It. Last question. Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you if they're interested in learning from you or working with you? Um, so where can they find you? And more importantly, who are the right kind of people for you to reach out if they're, you know, need the kind of help you provide? You got it. Um, I am best found on my website at crownyourself.com. You go there. I have a hypnosis, a you are worthy hypnosis that is available for you that you can immediately download, love on and, you know, kick any crappy subconscious programming to the curb that would say that you're not worthy of those dreams, those desires, that gift that you have in your heart. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Kimberly dot, uh, Kimberly dot Spencer or my company's Instagram. If you are a big fan of, of quotes with a bit of challenge and creativity and like Disney memes, uh, crown yourself now is our, our company's Instagram. And you can also go join our crown yourself Facebook group, um, which is our community where we have just extraordinary leaders that I'm very blessed to know and people who are stepping into their power on a daily basis. Um, and you can just search on Facebook. It's Facebook dot com forward slash groups forward slash crown yourself and then for those of you who love this episode and who have listened to this whole extraordinary conversation i mean holy moly this is the longest podcast episode i've ever been on and it's it's awesome i love it i have to pee so bad um but i didn't want to get off uh if you want to work with me then if you are a visionary leader if you've got a side hustle that you want to turn into your main jam if you are looking to overcome fear and doubt and really take charge of your life and stand out and step into your own power and stop being a mediocre version of of who you know that you can be and if you know that you want to really tap into your full potential and you're a high achiever and you're creative and you're you're you are the visionary, then that you're my, you're my people. Come talk to me, shoot an email to my team at infocrownyourself.com. And I look forward to working with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. So if you are listening and you want to work with Kimberly, definitely check out crownyourself.com. Obviously, you know, we target like 45 minutes for these episodes. So if you're a regular listener, we apologize, but hopefully you got a really, you really enjoyed this, uh, you know, hour and a half long episode instead. Uh, Yeah. And again, Kimberly, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. It's been a fantastic conversation. I can't wait to uh, catch up with you and meet, uh, meet you again in the future. Absolutely. I would love to, to chat again in the future. This has been extraordinary. I've learned so much about myself too. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Any final thoughts for our audience before we hit the uh, stop record button here? Just, I am so grateful for each and every one of you who powered through like a badass on this, on this episode. And just please shoot, hit me up on, on the Instagram at, on a DM or shoot an email to info at crownyourself.com. I love hearing what your takeaways are. I love hearing your breakthroughs, your ahas, your like, that's what I eat, live and breathe is for, for stories of breakthrough and transformation. And so if this episode transformed you in any way, please let me know. Awesome. Thank you very much, Kimberly. Thank you so much.